Hello and welcome back to another episode of Audible Forms. We're doing something a little bit different this week. Um, usually I have a guest on, uh, someone from the dream punk scene. Uh, we pick a word and we talk about that word. That's kind of been the, the idea for this show. Um, this week I wanted to do a little bit something different. I had an, another episode recorded a few weeks ago, which got corrupted. So I had to pretty much ditch that. Um, so I thought rather than rush around trying to get a different guest, um, just trying to make sure we have some content going out because I've been a little bit lazy, I must admit. I thought we'd do something different where I took your suggestions um, from Twitter and the DRC, the Dream Punk Record Club, and take a few words from there and I would speak to that, like speak about them on my own, um, getting my sort of views and sort of um, what those words connotate in my mind. So I thought it could be a little bit different. Might have to split this open. Oh, get my words out correctly. Might have to split this over a couple of episodes just because there were quite a few um, suggestions and they were really good. Um, so I'll probably do it over two episodes. There's 10 words, so I'll probably do five in each one. Um, I'll try not to overdo it on each one as well. Maybe sort of 10 minutes on each. I don't want to sit here and ramble to myself. I'd rather try and you know keep it concise and whatnot. So I think we should probably just head straight into it. And uh, the first word uh, is impact. Now, impact. Now, I'm going to do the, the this podcast the same way as I do every other. I'm not going to think about it. I haven't written anything down. Um, I'm just going to go into it blind, essentially. Um, so, impact. Now, impact, you could look at that in two different ways. Like the impact of your music or impacts in music like as in sort of dynamics and things like that my brain is kind of going towards the dynamic part um just because i'm i make music so it just makes more sense to talk about that in regards to impact so i when i think about my sort of past with music and how with the sort of journey i've come along I've always been into sort of quite bombastic music and sort of music that's quite intense and quite um, forceful on your ears. Um, I, I grew up as a metalhead, um, you know, rock and metal. That was probably that was like my bread and butter as a kid. Um, I didn't get into electronic music until I was about 13 or 14. What year was it? 20... 2010, when Skrillex's first EP came out, uh, Scary Monsters and Nice Sprites, which I hated on first listen. Um, I thought it was absolutely terrible. I didn't understand it. It just was just a lot of noise, um, which is quite ironic considering I was a metalhead. But it did intrigue me, and the more and more I listened to that sort of music you know the whole bro step thing i was kind of in it for like two years roughly two three years and like metal music it's, it's music that has a lot of impact on you like it has a lot of dynamic qualities although technically it didn't if you ever look at any sort of waveforms from those tracks they are just sausages but it introduced me to that sort of it like sort of intro um, setting down an intro idea, breakdown, rise, drop, breakdown, intro sort of thing again, rise, drop, and then sort of fading out at the end, which is something I still do in my music now. Like if you've ever, I don't know if people ever notice it. It might be really obvious. It might not be. Um, if you listen back through my music, um, especially, let me think especially sort of the city is my friend onwards maybe not so much in the first couple of releases but uh, if you listen to the city is my friend and then moving from that so you know four uh, four shots of green stone a deep dive and the new stuff that i'm working on now for the new album 
it kind of follows that formula. Like I, I like it kind of has that sort of intro, rise, drop, you know, sort of thing, which is really like divisive and kind of boring, like on paper. But I think it's like a it's a really satisfying, um, sort of structure, and it does, in my eyes, provide a lot of impact to your ideas. Like especially if you're like me, and I'm someone who. I guess I would. I I I'm of a gener. I say generation. I'm, I want to. I'm. I'm the sort of the producers that sort of came into Ableton Live, and use Ableton Live as the means to write my music. And what I mean by that is, if you open up like you know a traditional sort of maybe a more traditional door, or if you write music down on pieces of paper, you can kind of work quite linearly. You start at the beginning, you work in the middle, and you work to the end. Um, I don't really work that way. I tend to build loops. So I tend to build like a 16 bar loop get and get that 16 bar loop as detailed as possible. Um, sometimes it's longer. Sometimes it could be 32, 64, even eight. I've done like eight bar loops where if it's like a sort of more techno-y tune or something like just working in the confines of that time period um, and getting that as detailed as and sort of as interesting as I like. And then I build the song around that idea, um, especially on this new album that I'm working on, um, which you're, I don't know when it's going to come out. It's not finished yet. But when it does come out, you'll kind of see this in sort of full force. I've really taken this sort of um, this structure to the extreme. And one of the big things I'm doing with this album is really manipulating the sort of artificial physical spaces that music provide. You know, like, so you'll have really open massive reverbs massive sort of what would feel like an epic space in it and bringing it right down into something really small and claustrophobic like in the next bar so it's something i'm like really experimenting with at the moment and it's kind of again provides a different sort of impact to say bro step did where it's quiet at the beginning it rises up and then whack you get all you don't get all these um these sounds and ideas Whereas um, right now I'm working in kind of the opposite way. I guess you could like, I, I saw another artist do something similar and people were describing it as an anti-drop <laughs> where like you're taking that, um, that the big sound and making it loud at the beginning and then bringing it right down. Um, I think that's like a really interesting idea and it, like I say, it provides a different sort of impact. It provides something a little bit unusual and something that's not expected from the person like when when someone's listening to it you expect it to go one way um but it doesn't and it goes a different way so yeah i guess that's kind of when i think of impact that's what i'm kind of thinking of. i guess if you want to talk about the impact of your music in terms of the impact it has on other people it's kind of weird for me to talk about that because I've always had a bit of um, imposter syndrome. Uh, and I think we'll get, get to that in another word that's been written down a little in like more detail. But I've always been quite... Um, uh, yeah, I've always had issues like personally, like emotionally with the idea that my music has had an impact on other people in some way. Like I just can't wrap my head around that idea at all. Like I, I and I still, I've been doing this. Like I've, I've, I've been releasing music under Remember for, for this is, will be my sixth year, um, and I, and I still can't work it out. Like I still can't, I cannot believe that people outside of my own head have heard these songs and they enjoy them. And especially that really took hold in like 2015 when Root Back Home came out and we released the like the first hundred cassettes and they sold out in like 12 hours like it's just I can't it doesn't make any sense to me in my head like how does that even <laughs> what does that how does that even happen um but it, it, at the same time it's nice to have had that sort of impact on people um and you know to have um be a placeholder in people's lives it's just i just i haven't worked it out yet um and i don't think i ever will and that's okay like i'm not that bothered by the fact that i like it's weird <laughs> i'm not i'm not that it doesn't doesn't uh doesn't bother me but 
yeah, it's a bit strange. But like I say, we'll get to that more, I think, in another word, which is a little bit more um, sort of closely tied to this idea. We'll get to that in a little bit. But yeah, that's that's kind of my views on impact. So let's move on to the next one, which is synesthesia. Now, synesthesia is something I don't have. I'm going to say that straight up from the beginning. I do not have synesthesia, so I can't speak. I had I have no first account of what synesthesia is like or what that what that experience is to have synesthesia. However, from my sort of limited knowledge of it and what it is and what how I understand it, I kind of wish I did. Maybe not maybe not like permanently, but just to like experience what that sensation of having like have the have the merriment of like sound and some sort of color and visual would be amazing if anyone's out anyone out there who's listening to this and has synesthesia please like um please give me like a message and i kind of want to know what like what my color is for my music because color and like visual for music i think is really important I, it, it, the people say like don't judge a book by its cover and there is there is definitely a, an element of truth in that but I do also think at the same time the way that you present your music is really important if you want people to either understand you and the music better I think that can be conveyed through visuals quite well or if you want to just set the tone before you go into an album i think the visuals and the colors are really like important um it's something i've thought about quite extensively with remember as time has gone on i'm quite key on the visuals and you'll see kind of like a transition in the the way that the remember albums look and i'd like to be i'd like to know what how right i am or how wrong I am when it comes to someone with synesthesia. Obviously, I mean, it's diff- I, I assume that people with synesthesia have different experiences. So say they, if one person has synesthesia and they would associate one album with sort of red tones and then someone else would listen to the same album and experience sort of more blue tones or something. I'm sure that's the case. Again, I don't know if you're out there and you do have it. Please let me know. I'm very interested to know. Um... But I, like I say, I'm very key and like very, I think I've been very conscious about my color decisions. So if you look at Root Back Home, Walking to Heartbreak and Axico, they've all got blue undertones. Um, probably with Walking to Heartbreak being really sort of, um, really being laying it on thick with the blue. If you then move into, um, the city is my friend that was a very multicolored experience there was no one definitive color for say the the album art or just the vibe it was very much a, a, a very sort of multicolored rainbow experience because it was a very much an album about sort of um being connected to everything around you in that sense so it kind of made sense for it to not to be defined by one color and more of a, a multicolored experience and then we move into sort of um, four shots of Greenstone onwards, which was a, a color choice, which is obvi- if you know, obviously, if you listen to my music, it's very green. Like I completely changed from the blue to the green and quite drastically as well. I've kind of really drummed it on people. <laughs> so, um, And that was a decision that I made just after the the vinyl for the city is my friend came out once the actual album was out that was kind of that sort of a, a closing almost and that's when i started pushing the green stuff even though the first album of the what i, would, I guess you could call the green era um didn't come out for another two years roughly but it was very it was a very conscious decision because i kind of when you look at like the blues and the purples and stuff like that in especially in the sort of the dream punk scene it's very much seen as a um it's it's very much associative with that sort of cyberpunk sort of technology futuristic 
unique sort of sort of warmness to it and and that's very that's fine like it's a it's a very it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's an aesthetic that works and it's a color scheme that works and lends itself well to the music but i saw my music changing and i saw my music sort of moving away from that um so i needed a color that wasn't really being represented i don't think in that sort of style of music or are seen very much. Obviously, it was drips and drabs of it. Don't get me wrong. It's not like the, the color green was banned or or something like that. Um, I just felt like there needed to be. It needed to have something different. And I wanted the color scheme and the album art to kind of push you in that direction before you even listen to the music. Like you look at it and go, right, this is not something that happens in this zone. Like it's just, it's not that key so that was kind of my sort of ethos on it and it kind of like sets a different sort of tone it's a little bit darker than my other stuff the green era stuff and it's a little bit more it's less narrative driven like all i'm all in my like the first the first four remember albums are a story not many people know that and maybe i'll get into it one day a little bit more detail and sort of really break down the sort of the narrative of the albums and how those albums were basically all concept albums um they're in a funny order um i kind of did a bit of a star wars on it and didn't release them in the order that the story's in um so you had obviously the the, the order that they came out in was route back home uh walking to heartbreak Axico and the city is my friend whereas the actual sort of the narrative is walking to heartbreak route back home Axico the city is my friend so it's the first two are kind of swapped but anyway I'm kind of getting off track here the point is that the those blue sort of albums and obviously city is my friend were defined by narrative where now I'm more defined by emotion and sound more so it's a more an exploration in sound rather than um, a, a narrative. But bringing it back to synesthesia, I'd really like to know how close I am in terms of conveying my idea when it comes to color and sort of what, if someone's li if someone's listening to say a deep dive, do they do they hear it or sorry see a lot of green or feel a lot of green? And if not, what color is it? I'd re I like I, that really fascinates me. I'd really like to know. Um, so, like I say, if someone out there has it, please let me know. Um, just message me on um, Twitter or something, and I'll, uh, I'd, I'd love to have a chat. And um, yeah, that's, I haven't got much else to say on synesthesia, but that yeah, I kind of went off a I went on a tangent too. But yeah, I'd like I really would like to have someone reach out to me and let me know what what's actually going on there. Right, so what's next on the list? Let me just get it up. Like I'm saying, I'm, I'm free-forming this now. I'm not... I had to make a cut to get a glass of water, but I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm just going to let this run. Okay. Okay, so this, kind, this one kind of links back to the one we had previous, the very first one, Impact. And this one is Success. Now... Success is a funny one because you can you can take it however you want. It really of it. Success is success is like beauty, right? It's in the it's in the eye of the beholder. Because um, you can look at it a few ways. You can look at like personal successes. So check like you you checklist certain things off for yourself, and you go right that I did that. That's cool. Um, or you look at like monetarily how many albums you've sold how much money you've made and things like that which in 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 this sort of line of music you're not really going to expecting much in the words in, a, in like monetary gain like don't get me wrong i've made like i've i've made some quite comfortable money um from remember i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie like it's it's definitely supported me in many ways more ways than i thought music ever would um I wouldn't have a lot of the, the music gear that I have or um, 
you know it's it's helped it's helped pay rent sometimes and things like that i'm, I'm not it's i'm not it's not my full-time job but it's definitely helped um than if i didn't have it so in that like could you call that success i suppose you could um i guess you could technically make it semi-professional in quotation marks in that sense um but i don't look at it that way um i love music as a passion if it became a job or if it became a full-time living situation that would be really cool like don't get me wrong that would be very very cool but i don't think that would be my definition of success success comes from your personal goals and what you what you want out of music so if you want the money and you want the to be able to live off the music as your primary goal and you succeed then you uh, then yeah there you, there you go you succeed you've 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 hit your level of success but if that's not what you're in it for then that's not how it works i don't think um for example right so my i had a few personal music goals i had in life um i really wanted to play like a show um as a solo artist i've been in bands you know a few times um and I'd obviously played a lot of gigs in that sort of environment, but I've like I really wanted to be able to either DJ or perform live electronic music as a so solo artist, which I ended up doing. Um, first time was uh, 2016. We had like a dream catalog night at a place called Rywax. I think that was technically my first outing as Remember on stage. I think I can't, I can't, I can't remember. I can't remember, but yeah. I've done that and then obviously I've done, we did another dream catalog show um and one that was really important to me so uh and it was kind of happened on a whim as well is I managed with dream catalog uh with me and halo acid did a back-to-back -back DJ set at the Tate modern art gallery in London which is probably my favorite thing I've ever done Although it was literally only half an hour and it, I only found out the day before and it was kind of sort of thrown together. Like the, the Tate Modern Art Gallery is literally my favorite place in the world. Um, it's my favorite thing to do in London. I, lo I, I just, it's just, I think it's such a great space. Um, and to be able to say like that I've DJed there is like, that's success to me like that's my personal success to be able to say that that happened um and i'm really proud of that and like i say it's something that um i would consider successful um playing playing a festival was one as well which we did twice we um as dream catalog we went to the gotwood festival in uh, north wales which was fun <laughs> it was very fun um and I really, I really enjoyed. I think that was the first time we'd all had like the Dream Catalog crew in one space as well, which was quite cool. Um, that yeah, that was really that, that another level of success. Putting out a vinyl as well was really key. Like that's something I've always wanted to do because I love vinyl. Like I'm not a mad collector or anything, but um, just the idea of having your music on a vinyl is just really cool. Um, and just like holding that the vinyl for the first time and like looking at the grooves and uh looking at the individual sort of tracks with the little gaps in between and stuff like that like that was really special um obviously we did it uh with a city is my friend and then we did um the route back home vinyl which was amazing as well because it kind of come full circle because that was the the album that kind of people know me for so that was really cool. We've got a few others coming out, hopefully in the next, with hopefully within the next year as well. Um, but I'm not have got any details to spill, unfortunately. But hopefully that happens. And like I say, it'll be, it, it, it doesn't get old. It's like not, it's not that, it's not that. Once it happens, it's not like oh, not, here's another vinyl. Maybe if he was really like a huge, massive artist, then it'd be different. But that, that, that's what I mean. That's kind of what success is like there isn't any set definition you i don't think anyone can tell you whether you're successful or not 
they can only tell you if you're successful by their own definitions of success and no one has the same definitions of success at all um i feel like i've succeeded with my music and i'd hap i'm happy if it doesn't go any further than this um if nothing else if nothing cool happens after this that's fine as far as i'm concerned like i'm not saying i'm not gonna not do things if i have the opportunity but i'm not i'm not looking for anything else now i'm now i'm just it, i'm very much happy with and content with the idea of writing music and putting it out whoever's listening um you know if anyone's listening that's a success to me because that's all I ever really wanted. Just like, even if like a couple of people are around, like, and and then and thank God for like the internet to for to, for to like facilitate that. Um, it's quite amazing that when I was younger, I didn't like. Obviously, the internet was around when I was younger, but things like Bandcamp were not really a thing, and um, he had YouTube and things like that. But the idea of like being able to put up music people buy music from you like in an easy sort of fashion wasn't really on the cards and now that it is it does allow for, it allows anyone to be quote unquote successful um doesn't take it doesn't take loads um again obviously it depends on your definition if you've got high expectations of your success then you might always be you might be disappointed forever which is unfortunate but um yeah i that, that's kind of what i have to say on the whole success thing it's really it, at the end of the day it boils down to what do you want to have out of music um and maybe don't set such high expectations because the, if you have high expectations it's a lot easier to fail quote-unquote fail like obviously it's not a failure like, like anyone who puts out music and people listen to it as far as i'm concerned is not failing at all but if you're looking for um just small successes like just small little things then i think you'll find yourself in a position where you'll start feeling good about it a lot better than say someone else who's with really high expectations if you have high expectations go for it like you know it's it, that's that's up to you but i wouldn't i wouldn't stress about it personally um I'm, I'm starting to ramble now but yeah that's kind of how i feel on success um i'd like to know again if anyone's up for a chat i'd be interested to know what sort of successes that you have personally had um and what and what they mean to you that'd be quite interesting to hear actually um yeah, let me know. <laughs> right, next one. Let's have a look. Let me get the list up again. Production is the next one. Okay. Ooh, this could be a long one. I don't even know where to begin. Um, so production, production. Now, like I said, sort of back on the impact word, my electronic music sort of career i don't know if you want to call it that but my first sort of outing didn't happen until maybe two years after i'd listened to um sort of the bro step music and sort of house music and things like that it didn't never really occur to me that i could do it myself or like learn um it seemed quite foreign i'd always grown up as a guitar player and i know how that works like i know how playing a guitar plugging it into a pedal plugging it into an amp i know that process but the idea of like creating electronic music was just so far from my scope that i just it just never occurred to me that it's something i could do so i think it must have been about Maybe late, late 2011. Yeah, I think that sounds about right. Late 2011. So I'm coming up to my 10th year of like making music on electronic music. I started on a free program that I used for maybe 
a month. I'm going to quickly look it up. I think it's called LMMS. Let me just look that up. Yeah. So there's a door called LMMS. And I think it's free. I could be. Well, it's free back then. It wasn't. It might not be free now, but I don't know. Yeah, a free and open source digital audio workstation. Now, it was in my it might be a lot better like i say this was like 10 years ago almost i hated working in this program i only got it because it was free and i was looking for a free way to make music and i hated it and it really did put me off for a while um getting into it because i thought maybe that that was the only way or like this is how all music making was um, I do not recommend it to anyone. Oh, well, again, I don't recommend it to anyone 10 years ago. Maybe now it's different. Maybe it's quite good now. I'm just looking at screenshots. It looks pretty much exactly the same as it did back then. But it just, it, it was very, didn't, the workflow was just off. Um, it was very ugly. And I think, do, I do think the visuals of your door is quite important. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't recommend it, maybe. But I don't know, who knows? I used it for about a month, gave up with it for a bit. And then I think I got, started looking around online and everyone was talking about this FL Studio. And I was like, okay, let's, let's have a look, had a look at it. Had a look at a few YouTube videos and had a look to see what, it's, what you could do with it and I was hearing some really good stuff come out of it and I went oh maybe this is more for me so I then I didn't have the money to buy, buy it so I cracked it um, probably like 80% of people that, um, that start making music I don't buy it straight off the bat or they use a demo but yeah so I cracked that and I used that for maybe s about 6 months maybe a little bit longer probably about six months um, just getting to grips with the FL studio process although I liked it more than LMMS I still hated hated it and that's not anyone that's not a diss to FL studio it's clearly a very good door you can get some very good stuff out of it it just wasn't for me it just what the workflow just wasn't I don't know. I, it's, again, it's been a long time, sort of like nine years since I've used it. As far as I'm aware, the the um, sort of the workflow hasn't changed too much. But it's just it just was never for me. Didn't like the way you built tracks in it. Or I found it very confusing. And I found sort of the if you want to get samples out, it was very difficult and like a long process. At the time, I was really into sort of mousetrap and dead mouse and people like that sort of the sort of electro house and sort of the obviously still the bro step side of things but a lot of those producers were using ableton um again i did exactly the same thing i went on to um youtube and looked at sort of sort of ableton tutorials and see what people were doing with it and i didn't really understand it because it looked completely different to LMMS and um, FL Studio just it looked alien especially with the sort of the arrangement view and the grid view and then having the lot like you putting your like EQs and compressors and all your effects along the bottom and then it just looked odd um, but again I downloaded a crack like everyone else did um, and I've, I've stuck with it ever since this that was Ableton Back then, I think it was the Ableton 8. We're obviously now on 11. I've still got 10. I haven't done the upgrade yet. But, um, yeah, it it changed changed everything. Like, the, I, it, the workflow worked for me. It was very transparent. Um, you knew exactly what order your things were going in. You could see it clearly. It just made a lot of sense. And I, th I think everyone has to do that, go through the process of finding what their sort of their production station is and it turned out mine just was Ableton and just didn't know it so that's where where my production like where I took production seriously so for the next sort of year and a half 
nearly two years, I was just making house and really shit house and bro step and all other relevant EDM genres at the time. Um, and all of that stuff is gone. Like I don't have any of it anymore. I might have it on an old hot, like old laptops and things, but most of it's gone and it's gone from online as well. But I spent a long time working on that stuff. And I think that honestly, I still use a lot of what I learned then now, obviously just more sophisticated in a, and in a way where I'm actually making music that I want to. Cause that switched in like 2013. I had like this epiphany that I just really didn't enjoy what I was making. Um, I thought, I thought it was very formulaic. Um, I just didn't enjoy it. Like I, I don't know. I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> I just didn't really enjoy making sort of house and bro step anymore. Um, and at the same time, I was really getting into sort of like post rock and ambience. So I was getting like really into Godspeed, um, Godspeed, you Black Emperor. Um, let me think. God is. Uh, let me get some bands up. This will destroy you. Let me get some bands up. I've got a playlist. My mind's going blank. Let's have a look. Um, PG Last Explosions in the Sky. Um, mono. Um, the Album Leaf as well. Yeah, definitely. So all of that stuff. Or maybe not mono, actually. I don't know why. No, it wouldn't have been mono. Sorry, that was a, a recent addition to the playlist. But yeah, you get the idea. All of those sort of post-rock bands, I started getting into Warp Records. So I started getting into sort of Aphex Twin, Square Push, or Orteca. Um, and just sort of going down that sort of route, I think it's like it was like my next step to get to, like into that world of electronic music, the like the Warp Records stuff. But obviously still listening to a lot of like guitar-based ambient music and things. And I just realized that that's kind of what I gravitated to like more. It was a bit more experimental, a bit more expressive. It wasn't, there was no formula really. Maybe in post-rock there's a bit of a formula, but you know what I mean? Like there's, there's um, it felt a bit more free. Um, and bringing it back to success, like, I saw a lot more, I could probably have got a lot further with going down the, the, the EDM route, but just, it just wasn't for me. Um, so yeah, I worked, started like plugging my guitar in and I got on it, I bought an interface, started plugging my guitar into my computer and like just running reverbs through it, making it feedback, delays, distortions. And you know, a lot of that early, like that's under my name, Jude Frankham, and then you can go and find a lot of that stuff on Spotify and Bandcamp. It's all very, you, you can hear it. It's all just a lot of gu guitar ambience. And again, a lot of those techniques I still use now. So sort of the same reverbs and sort of um, one thing I really liked doing was recording the guitar in, reversing it and pitching it down, pitching it up, just using the same bit of recording, but just kind of like flipping it around in different ways. And I still do that now all the time. Um, a lot of a lot of pads and melodies I just like freeze and sort of reverse pitch up pitch down um, and chop and change I, it, I do it you know pretty much every track I've done since and then when I got in when I got into like dream catalog and that's a whole nother discussion but when I got into dream catalog and I decided that was 100% I wanted to make sort of synth music that's when I really started taking production seriously and started to learn, like, learn my chops a little bit. Um, so I started to learn how to actually use a compressor. I started to learn how to use reverbs in effective ways rather than just whacking it on 100%, you know, and just um, learning signal path and learning synthesis as well and learning like, rather than just like taking a preset or something really basic, how to like, use filters and how to use um like the big one was fm synthesis like learning how to use fm synthesis in a way that can create actual desirable tones is i think was a really big one like don't get me wrong fm still a big mystery to me in that sense like it's still quite a it's a very complicated subject and it's a very big rabbit hole um and a lot of the time when you get when you're like experimenting with it you will make some ghastly stuff like some very ugly sounding 
patches but eventually you'll start learning like what ratios work what waveforms work which do and don't um and I've just been learning ever since. Like, and I still, I'm still learning to this day. I never stop trying to, like, trying to do something different, especially on this new album when I'm really, like, automation has never been something I'm big on. Like, I've always done it. Like, it's always been a part, but I've really focused on it on this new album and, like, um, using different reverbs and learning how those work. And I've even been, like, uh, one of my big sort of passion projects when I was at university was building Max for Live plugins. Um, building my own sort of synths and effects and stuff which was fine I really enjoyed it I really got into that stuff though when I started using reactor and like built like at the moment I'm building this kind of like mega synth um, in reactor that's completely unusable in the sense that it's like got a, a thousand knobs and it does everything and nothing but I'm just kind of like teaching myself and there's like but through that process of teaching yourself how to build a synth from ground up, you learn a lot about synthesis in general. Um, and I would say, like, some, to some people, that's really important, like, learning, knowing a lot and being, like, a real nerd about it. Some might say you lose the magic in, like, getting ideas down and, like, the rawness of it, which I can understand and definitely can agree with in some sense sometimes you will just be laboring over one thing for way too long um like unnecessarily like there's no doubt about it um but i also find that process really fun i find like the sound design process really fun um and it's sometimes like it's like and i'm, I'm guilty of this where i try and force a bit of music out every time I open Ableton don't like I, I wouldn't recommend that I would maybe go in with the intention of learning something new whether it's just following a YouTube tutorial or having an experiment with a synth you've never used or using a setting in a synth you've never used always have record running too so like just have a synth open have uh, an audio track that's just recording everything you're doing like as on a send or whatever and just experiment and see you never know you might end, you end up coming some out coming out with some of your coolest stuff and if you want to take that one step further if you want to learn stuff but you're a little bit unsure where to start taking a preset and people like to get on the preset thing some some people have no issue with presets some people are very like adamantly against presets because they feel like it's cheating I think if you're using a preset and not changing it, I can understand maybe that sort of thought process, but again, it doesn't really bother me. Taking a preset and just working backwards is really interesting and fun and will definitely show you the way uh, how different things mold sound. Like taking a very complex, say, serum patch or massive patch and just turning things off. So I've got this, say, for example, I've got this very complicated it's i don't know if anyone uses serum but it's kind of like my um synth of choice if you have serum open and it's making some wild sounds turn off the filter and see how that filter is changing the sound change the type of filter and see what that will do and you'll start to notice like through multiple patches how say say multiple patches that use the same filter you'll then understand exactly what's going on there or in the case of um, Serum, you can obviously you can use one synth to, like, say, be an FM source for another. Just turn the FM off and see what that does to the sound. Maybe um, turn on turn off the noise, turn off the LFOs, turn off um, the distortion, the built-in effects. See what's actually going on, um, and then what you've what you can learn from that is then applying it to your own stuff in your own production and this works with anything this works with reverbs this works with distortions this works with um samplers this like anything you can start with something like a preset something that someone's already made and work backwards i promise you it will do you world of wonders if you want to get into sound design and you want to learn like it's all well and good like following a say like a youtube tutorial like if you go in and like how to make this 
so-and-so type of bass sound. You'll probably get like a really good video that will explain things down to like the process of starting from the beginning and working your way up, but you might not necessarily understand what is actually going on um, and what that when someone when in that YouTube tutorial someone said, oh, now add the filter. Um, you might not necessarily be understanding what that filter's doing unless they go into massive detail, which a lot of these tutorials don't. They kind of just say, oh, I'll turn on this this filter and put it to this like number. Um, I guess maybe those tutorials become a bit better once you understand synthesis more. I'm going I'm really focusing on synthesis, but you can like this. This applies to anything. And I think it's probably something I would recommend everyone doing. Um, and it's been something I've been doing in the near 10 years that I've been working like on electronic music to start with something and work backwards reverse engineer it um, and even if you still then don't understand it then then work when then go back a, a step so if something's too still too complicated then work on something simpler and work backwards I still do it now um, I do it with reactor patches at the moment I'm opening up other people's reactor patches and literally just starting with the bigger picture and working inwards and finding where um, what things do would recommend that 100% um, definitely go down that route that's probably my biggest production tip not that you came here for tips maybe you don't you're listening to me ramble about this and it's just um, you already know this and you're probably better than me anyway <laughs> so uh, don't listen to me if you don't want to but i'm just saying that look i think that's really key and it's something that's been a really big part of my production and it's why my production's got better over time i think it, it, i think i could categorically say that my production's gotten better over time too um maybe other people will disagree but i think if you look back at my really old stuff maybe even my early remember stuff to now massive difference more technical a little bit cleaner I actually understand how like things work now. Back then, I didn't really use EQs, <laughs> so you like, especially if you listen to Root back home, you'll hear some very harsh, high-end sounds and things like that. I didn't know what I was doing at all. I had no idea how to mix ambient music, um, especially since because ambient. Uh, me and uh, HK have talked about this a few times. Like mixing ambient stints can be really hard, especially when you've got loads of reverb going on. There's a lot of crossover of frequencies. It gets it can get very muddy very quickly. Um, again, once you start learning how to EQ things properly, and, oh, excuse me, I've got a bit of a blocked nose today. But yeah, that would be my biggest sort of production sort of rant. I like to maybe dedicate a whole hour to this. Maybe I'll get a. Um, I mean, me and um, Exequy had a chat um, about design, sound design. So that, if you can, you can go back and listen to that one. But maybe it'd be interesting to have someone else and talk about just production um, and uh, see where that sort of conversation goes. But yeah, that's that's kind of my ramble on production. I don't want to overdo it too much. Um, if anyone wants me to, die, you know, go into it further, I'm, just hit me up and I'll I'll chat. Okay, so we'll do the last one of this week's episode because. I think we're coming up to like the 50th minute i kind of want to keep this into the the hour mark as best as possible so last one is inspiration so inspiration when it comes to my music and in music as a whole i'm i listen to a lot of music don't get me wrong but most of my inspiration does not come from music very rarely um it probably came more from music early on so like the first remember album so for example actually it's probably quite a good example if you were to look at the love me project file it doesn't say love me on it at all the original file name was um hong kong express ripoff i think because at the time hk by hk or hong kong express came out at the time and I wanted to make something like that. So in that sense, I was very much inspired by music, but that's because I didn't really know, like going back to the production stuff, I didn't really know too much. Now, now I'm a little bit older and I know a bit more, I think. 
I, I turn to music less. And don't get me wrong, there are, I still use music as an inspiration source. I'd be lying to say if, that I didn't. I still use, I still listen to stuff and go, oh yeah, that'd be really cool to like try and recreate and put my music or I'm going to try and create a sound like that that really inspires me. But I think if you're, if you're making music purely inspired by other music, you're going to end up either making a very evident mashup of styles or just a rip off of someone else. Um, you do have, I think there needs to be some sort of emotional inspiration or emo like um, sort of inspiration outside of music as well. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, I'm talking, I'm not telling you what to do actually. <laughs> you know how it sounds like I am. Like, for example, like the the deep dive album that I just put out um, last year in August I would say maybe 10% of that was inspired by music um, a lot of dubstep and drum and bass mainly like and I'm when I mean dubstep I don't mean like bro step I mean sort of like um, sort of the original style of dubstep sort of the sort of low FM wobbles and sort of the more minimal stripped back rather than the sort of the Americanized bro step stuff and when it comes to drum and bass like people probably see me rant about drum and bass online quite a lot I'm, I'm very much into it um, it's very much a genre of music I listen to most days um, and there was like a very big when I because I felt I didn't fall out with drum and bass I just stopped listening to it for a while and in like the last two years I've kind of sort of worm my way back into it and when I got back into it there was very much what was called like the foghorn or the roller scene which was taking sort of quite outlandish sounds that don't really make much sense and just put the like and that's the sound of the track it's kind of hard to explain but I can know if you again if you want to hear some examples just hit me up and I'll, um, I'll give you a playlist or something um, but you'll hear that a lot on a deep dive like just very sort of FME sounds, quite outlandish sounds as well. Oh, excuse me. Quite outlandish sounds as well. Um, but that's kind of where like the musical inspiration stops, to be honest. Um, a lot of it, especially that album in particular, is very much emotional and about my headspace at the time. I was in a very bad headspace at the time, so I needed to output that. And that's just what the album came out as. Um, that was my inspiration, was just like looking inwards. Um, and that's kind of been the case for a little while. Um, a four, shot, four Shots of Greenstone was a breakup album. Again, not many people might know that, but I came out of a seven-year relationship, nearly eight-year relationship. Um, and in the week after that relationship ended i wrote two tracks i wrote the first track a chapter two and then the last track feeling better um both of those came out sort of the same week and then in the subsequent week i wrote the rest of the album like and this was sort of late 2018 so like the bulk of the production was done in like two weeks and then it then took two years to finish because it was quite a hard album to go back to life changed you know it just took a while to get to get to a finished state um but again uh i would say in the in the case of four shots of green stone maybe 10 percent of that was inspired by music and that 10 percent wasn't even electronic music it was like metal again like doom metal specifically that's why you hear a lot of like sun style guitars and sort of very fuzzy down-tuned riffs and things that was kind of where my head was at musically but that was about it and that's kind of why i think my music has turned out the way it has like um not to get into the genre argument because we could be here all day and I had that chat with Shima as well. I think it's very hard to pinpoint exactly what I do musically. Every track's different. Um, no two tracks are the same. All different, I, you know, I experiment with different tempos and different, uh, different styles. And I was gonna say I do different structures, but I don't really. Uh, <laughs> 
um yeah i it's very little these days is very little music um and a lot of and I, and although i talk to dream punk guests and um so you know my musical peers are dream punk artists it's very i don't listen to that much dream punk really um not because i don't like it it's just not where like when it goes to music it's not what i turn to again that makes it sound like i dislike dream punk that's completely not the case i do listen to dream punk and quite a bit of it but just not in comparison to other music it's almost like how um like for example my dad and it's a really strange example he's he he works in a bakery but when he comes home he doesn't bake cakes if that makes sense um i'm the same i'll make dream punk and i or something in the dream punk sphere and listen to dream punk but i won't necessarily designate it to myself full time or maybe listen to it as much as other artists do or other listeners do and sometimes because you otherwise as well you can start having influence like internal influences and inspiration but that and then nothing really progresses that way i don't think not really i think the best stuff of a particular genre is it is when it's inspired by other things um outside of that genre like if i listen to nothing but dream punk all the time like 100 percent, i don't think my music would be as varied as an eclectic as it is I think it would be sort of a bit uh, a bit on the nose and a bit one hit. Um, so I think that, I think in, like, again, I'm not here to give advice, but personally, when it comes to inspiration, I think looking outside of your zone, looking away from music is really key. Eat film is a really big one for me as well. I really like, um, sometimes I sort of, not even film, but the idea of film. Like when I'm writing a piece of music, what would be the visual film to go with it almost? not necessarily any specific film in mind but just more of a visual idea um, i've been inspired by books in the past i've been inspired by nature i've been inspired by other people in the sense not artists but like individuals around me um, and their emotional states um, relationships um, work insomnia is a really big one insomnia inspires me quite a bit because i'm a bit of an insomniac it just goes on like like the inspirations most of the time for me do not come from music these days um like i say it's probably like a 90 to 10 split um but yeah that's kind of where i am with the again i've rambled a little bit there but that's where i kind of where my head is at with um inspiration and again i'd be really interested to know where like, if you have inspirations outside of music i'd like to know what they are please please let me know and um Maybe we can have a discussion about that. Um, I think it's quite a... It's a very subjective subject. Like, everyone's... There's no one way right to be... In, you should be inspired by music. It's just not It's just not something that I think is helpful or should be the way. I think you should be inspired whatever you're inspired by, whatever you gravitate towards. You know, that's what you should, that's what you should do. I think, on that note, I think I should round up. I don't want to ramble too much. It's kind of weird um, talking to myself about these things. It's not something I do very often. Um, I hope this was an enjoyable listen and kind of like a, a nice insight to um, how I think and where I've been and what I've done. And I really, I really appreciate you guys sending in these really these these words have been amazing. Um, very broad, and that's the best. That's the best way. Glad they're not something too specific. So. Like I said, I'm going to split it off here. We'll do another one in two weeks' time um, with another five words. And then I think after that, we'll go back to reg regular scheduling. I think... So the next five words, I'll, I'll mention them now. Uh, we've got underground, sophisticated, melody, end, and kind of been a big topic as of now. I don't know what it will be like in two weeks' time, but vapor hell <laughs> um i am actually quite interested to discuss that to be fair um because i have not really said much on it and i haven't got much to say on it but I, I i will talk about it um so thank you to whoever suggested that i can't remember who suggested that i have an idea of who suggested it but <laughs> um 
yeah thank well thank you for listening i know this one was a bit different and next week's will be a bit different too um but i'll finish with my usual outro if you enjoyed today's podcast please let me know at my personal twitter at remember 4802 um i really would like to know um what you think of the show and we're open for your suggestions for themes and guests for the future uh thank you for listening and i hope you can join us in two weeks time for the next episode of audible forms <laughs>